All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me, 100. Grand finals, here we come, baby. Easy. Is there a better feeling than that? <laughs> yes, winning. We will soon experience that feeling for the second time in a row. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert, Cole. The Prophet Cole section <laughs> segment is early this week. I'm pulling no punches. <laughs> Happy Easter, everyone. Happy post-Easter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I uh, hope you enjoyed the Easter memes of Team Liquid. From this weekend, I made sure they were available in the starting soon screen for you in case you had missed them. And Jordan, also in true Easter fashion, watching that series killed me and then gave me new life (laughs) three games later. That's right. So condensed, a condensed format of the Easter story. (laughs) So, so here we are. Um, I think like. The podcast tonight is going to be weird, I feel like, because I don't think we're going to deep dive games, even though there's stuff to talk about from each games that we'll hit. Yeah. I think a lot of it's just going to be um, talking in general about how we're feeling right now. And I also have a, a little bit on C9 that I'd like to go over with everybody as a reminder. Why not? Because I do not like some of the tweets and analysis <laughs> I am seeing out there. So, uh, Yeah. Finals this weekend. Grand finals, that is, this weekend. Grand. The what grandest of finals, Cole. We're in it. <clears throat> we just get to sit back and watch uh, watch these teams prepare to, to battle each other, take each other down before they have a, yeah. a what is it, the next day? Go back for a read yeah. against us? <laughs> exactly, yeah. We'll see how okay. the war of attrition goes. Yeah, we like that. Um, tonight, it's a good night to remind you all that we're powered by Rip It. The best tasting energy drink in the world and the most affordable. Though inflation has them lying on the can, let's be honest. It is not $1.25 anymore. At least it's not ringing up that way for me. But I am... Uh, really? I'm, I've got an F-bomb in honor of the Abadaga uh, post-game <laughs> interview. So I hope that me cracking open this Ugh. F-bomb does not contribute to the fine pool from Riot. <laughs> Let's go. They're just going to keep adding. Adding to the total. They will. Um, We also uh, are very proud to thank Elgato for providing our lighting and our capture equipment and for being real ones. We like to shout out real ones when we see them. And Elgato are for sure some real ones. So chat, please join us for what promises to be a weird ride through tonight's podcast. I can't wait. Wow. It's going to be fun. Um, first, you know, just before we dive in, Jordan, mm-hmm. just what, what were your feelings and emotions on getting, getting through that series? Did, was there a point where you had lost hope? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, shortly uh, after game two? Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty shortly. Uh, at some point tonight, we got to talk about this, this topic that you've, continue to bring up kind of as the sides of the power of the casters to, to form a narrative. They yeah. are incredibly talented at this. Um, and I just think it is super interesting. And it, I, I find myself and, it, enthralled by it at all times. 
right? So the the comments about Reaper, and he just looked really bummed out, you know, like his mental is is probably shot at this point. They're down bad. Oh two, is there any chance they could possibly? I don't know. Those guys are not looking too happy, um, and all this stuff. Like that's the mood was set for the sweep, um, and and only by the slimmest of margins. Uh, did we stay alive in the series? Um, I want to. I want to clarify. I'm not going after the casters. No, I know. I know you're not. I, th- <laughs> I know you're not either. Yeah. But I just want people to know. Like, actually, I have an immense amount of respect for the yeah. casters, and I think they do an excellent job. It's just funny how much people latch onto every word they say. Um, sometimes it's not always like an accurate read about what's happening in the game, or sometimes it just becomes the story. Yeah you know, whether it should be or not. So yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. And it's just very I don't interesting think it's... to read everyone's post weekend thoughts and see how it aligned with um, all the things that casters seem to draw attention to. Yeah. And I, I want to be clear too. I think it's, it's just a sign of how good they are at their jobs, right? Mm-hmm. It is their jobs to create a narrative um, from the, the moment you tune in to the moment you close the stream. And I think they are some of the best in the business at doing this. And, you know, they're up there reacting based on what they're seeing, just like we all are. So um, I don't hold it against them for a second, but it, I, I, your tweets and comments are a continuous reminder to me that I am subject to the same thing, right? Um, <laughs> but, and and this, this is a good example of it. This series, to go back to your question, after game two, feeling pretty bummed. Um, and I actually had to step away, so I didn't get to watch three through five live. Uh, oh, came, wow. came back later like well i guess it's my uh my my duty as a fan to uh watch this thing finish it out <laughs> to to watch the burial <laughs> yeah and jokes on me but it was a call an ambulance but not for me exactly moment. yeah so yeah i was i was pretty <laughs> bummed out although you know we talked before we talked the week before or two weeks before whenever our last pod was about the fact that losing this series wouldn't be one a disaster two mean that our whole season was a horrible disappointment it wouldn't be the end of things um so this is really just a icing on the cake moment i think for me. yeah but kudos to us for also predicting the dub this weekend we did. i think we both did we both have three two i had three two <clears throat> did you yeah, have three two uh, for your prediction i think you did um we've been more aligned in our predictions as of late um but i have to say i didn't think it would play out quite like that um I nope. guess I expected it more to play out like an NBA Finals series. You know, I don't know if you guys really like seen the wave of this, but it just feels like more often than not, NBA Finals teams are like they trade smashes back and forth until like elimination game, and yeah. then it and then it gets like very close, and that's right. kind of what I thought we would get. Yeah, I thought we'd get like oh, it's working or it's not working, like FF go next at fifteen. Yeah, yeah, and then like come back and smash the next round. But I did not think it was going to be two absolute. I we lost in under twenty three minutes in the first game. Honestly, pretty hard to do. And with the that current is, state of the game, isn't that faster <laughs> than like we lost to like IG and Worlds in twenty eighteen yeah. or Fnatic, whoever it was? Feel pretty pretty confident about that. Um, yeah, it was it was not close. This this was basically two different series. Uh, one that we lost horribly and one that we won. <laughs> As Closer said, right? Very we won 3 0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, uh, it was a curb stomp by Team Liquid early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, I kind of agree actually with what Closer was saying because 
I don't know about you, but I felt like for the first two games, I didn't even really recognize the team. Yeah. Like it was a surreal feeling, but I, I felt like, wow, this does it like sincerely did not look like us. Like if nameplates were off yeah. and I had to like identify the team, it definitely wouldn't have been hundred these that I picked. Yeah. It was yeah. really weird. And I wanted to ask because I gotta say, between watching the series and going back and watching the um the the highlights of the games. Mm-hmm. I still don't totally have an explanation for why that was. I'm not, I can't look at it and be like, oh, well, yeah, we obviously lost because X. And I mean, maybe I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a good, I'm not a smart League of Legends brain in the first place, but I'm just yeah. saying like, yeah. I really am struggling to explain away those first two games. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Um, I will tell you my, my uh, armchair analyst impression. And I don't want anybody to take this too seriously because like you, I kind of left feeling like different players. Maybe that's the answer. Um, you know, it's like Niles's tweet. Like, yes, this is in fact me <laughs> in the top lane. Like yeah. could have could have <laughs> been retweeted uh, just at different positions for us. Um, here's what my thought was. We talked going into this series about all the advantage we'd have with the different looks we didn't have to use the different strategies that weren't yet unveiled, um, all of the stuff we could do to surprise Team Liquid. And, and we get to game one. It's like, oh, man, we're bringing back the set. We got <coughs> Silas and Zeri. You know, Viego, we haven't played him in a while. We know he can certainly mm-hmm. play him, but it's been a little bit. And it, it, just, it just feels like it wasn't actually anywhere close to as good as what had worked previously, right? That's the crazy thing about mm-hmm. it. We knew we had a working strategy against C9, and it wasn't close. Um, right. And so I think that for me, it was a little bit of like, oh, let's, let's, now we get to do the grand reveal. Here's what we were holding back, you know, and we wheel it out, and it's like, you know, we're missing, there's a couple wheels had fallen off on the way out to the stage. Um, you know, the muffler's off. It's not, it's not a great looking product. And I think that was game one. I think that was game two. And then I feel like game three, we're like, oh, we're just, I guess we could just play what we always have played. <laughs> we just try that again, right? Uh, and that worked. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know. It's like it, there was always a sprinkle of something different or, so, or like different proprietary blends of 100 Thieves picks, you know? Yeah. Because <clears throat> if you look down the list, I mean, like, like you said in the, in the first game, like, okay, who he set, we haven't gotten much of as of late. Yeah. Uh, it was, it absolutely crushed last year. Yep. And mm. honestly, hasn't really been very strong since then. Like if I remember, I, I think we played it once or twice before this weekend and it also didn't go super well. Uh, hope I'm not misremembering that, you know, it didn't, no. I'm not like looking at it right now. <clears throat> um, the Zeri pick from FBI has proven to be good. So totally fine to see that come out game one. I have been rooting for Abadaga Silas forever, and it just <laughs> never seems to really pan out the way I wanted it to. So that was a little sad for me. But someday on Orn is like familiar territory, which we'll we'll definitely spend some time talking about the someday picks. Yep. Um <clears throat> and then second time around, right? The someday Trindabir. That's like a new. Well, not a, like, you know what I mean? Like a this season signature pick. 
yeah um coming out from him abadaga on vex which we've seen a couple times and i liked it um <clears throat> and then uh philios leona that's you know pretty standard then we we got into game three the Lushinami lane rotated in right the proof of concept we established at worlds and um have pulled it out once or twice before in this split and uh guess what it looked very good again it did i like who he's nami is just very solid i it's really enjoy good. it closer on jarvin though remember we were kind of like yeah not loving the jarvin pick but he was incredible on the jarvin yeah and <clears throat> i think we actually have to bump that into maybe his top pick that he's playing in this uh, meta, even over lee sin maybe like yeah yeah um I mean, I and then Abadaga rocks like every game so yeah that, i'm for me feels like i would I, i'm not i'm not ready to dethrone lee sin as the all you know all ending <laughs> pick and it was banned in all five games it was first ban first ban first every, every game yeah, they didn't even want to accidentally misclick. But I'm just on, saying, like, it looked extremely good, man. Like For sure. Yeah. It was the, very, the, very good. The J4, I don't know uh, why that champion suddenly is giga busted, but it is. Yeah. So, yeah. great. Play it. And Abadaga rock solid on the Oriana in that game three. 6-1-10. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The Jarvan Oriana was devastating. It was really devastating. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, proceeding game four, we're just talking about, like, the different looks we presented because... That was something we definitely thought we would get a, a ton of variety on um, going into this series. So game four, someday on Orna again, the Jarvan run back. Abadaga and LeBlanc looked, looked very good to me. And then Aphelios Rakan is not something we often see from Huhi. Mm -mm. And then in game five, Orn Viego, Twisted Fate, which... Yeah. <laughs> more on that later. Zeri <laughs> Leona. So I think game five was maybe the most standard, the most vanilla look that we had. Um, compared to what we've done as of late. But it, so it's kind of like, I, I do feel like we had these slightly different elements and looks to every game that we played, and yeah. which is very interesting. Someday on Orn was like the one thing yeah. that, you know, was, was, didn't change except for the one Trinomir game. Yeah. So I, it was, it was interesting. It's like, as opposed to the C9 series right. where we didn't, we didn't show anything. I feel like, there wasn't much new there or maybe not even anything new from this, but it was different combinations and, and like a, a cycling variety of things yep. uh, other than top lane for the most part. So I'm kind of like, I don't feel like we gave away the whole hand, but we did show different combinations and that's interesting. Yeah. It, we, we showed different comment. It was variations on a theme, right? So these were different ways that we could play a really strong front to back team fighting team. And um, the great news for us is that is just not very easily countered. You know? Yeah. It, it turns out that being able to contest objectives in a very convincing way is, is a good thing to be able to have in the current state of the game. Uh, yeah. That does play to your advantage. Um, so, I think if, if you're going to show that anything is one, like let's say that we just had a ton of success with the Trindomir, right? Or, or like a really strong split pushing comp. I think that's an easier thing to prepare against in the next series, right? It's like, well, how can we answer that? It's kind of like summit. And you know, we yeah. might talk about this more, 
But if you're a team who has oh, one look, summit talk is coming. Oh, good. <laughs> if you're a team that has really, is one really effective look, it's like we'll have you play Malphite, you know, and we'll yeah. we'll we'll defeat this guy so soundly that he loses the next 15 games he plays, and that's kind of what's happened. So, uh, <laughs> so but like, how do you? He's not joking. <laughs> what's what's the shortcut to beat uh, a front to back? I mean. Look, this is a rhetorical question. I know that there are things you can do, but it's it's not as easy, especially if you can do variations on the theme, right? So it's like, okay, well, you want to play, you want to play this answer. We're going to throw in this different look, this version of it that is nuanced in a way that will make it harder for you to pull that off. And I think that's what we saw, right? Eventually, TL quite, like wised up and started to just try to beat us at that game, um, and brought out like a TF, brought out. Uh, you know some other things that just made it harder for them to do that. So I, I I'm feeling good about what we saw because I think it reinforces what we've been good at uh, when we've been at our best. Yeah, I you know this obviously goes better when you are able to win all the games that you do this on, right? Mm-hmm. But I do feel like showing a bunch of different combinations of stuff and reminding uh, the other teams of what picks we have, it's gonna make draft hard to prep for that. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's hopefully a good thing. Like I said, it's more effective when you're winning with those picks. But even like, you know, the lost Trindamir game, the Trindamir was definitely strong. It definitely yeah. was the, you know, the carry hope of the team and right. something that I still think you have to account for. For sure. Because no, many ha- no matter how many times Azale tries to claim on stream that the team never wins with someday on Trindamir, well... <laughs> Sometimes Kobe's there to contradict it because Kobe casted those games. With, but <laughs> someday on Trinamir is a dangerous and good thing for us. So yeah. <clears throat> I think I think that was one of the things is like, yeah, there's a lot to account for uh in draft. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's changing a bit. Maybe things are waxing away. We talked about the Viego pick like not looking as strong from him. Mm. Um, well, I think th- there are other factors that go into that for sure, but we don't, you know, we don't need to litigate that now. But the point is, look, there's like, it's not going to be straightforward. Mm. Like they banned Lee Sin first, first ban every game and still lost, you know? Yeah. So you yeah. can't just target in, in a, in a very obvious way. Yeah. So, we're not a, we're not a Lee Sin team, you know? <clears throat> and I, I would, I would argue we're also not an Orn team, right? You're going to ban Orn against us. Like, I think the there are so many different things. Someday has played Trindamir and Orn basically for the last couple of series. Don't forget that he can essentially play everything else, you know, and yeah. he can do it well enough. Like the team, well, hold it, have, hold it, hold it. Let's, yeah, yeah, look, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a more extended, protracted conversation about that. So, so keep that fire burning I'll, for later. I'll keep it ready. <laughs> but um, you know, going going back to you know what we were originally talking about when we got off on this conversation is just like. I don't know. I mean, Pop Smithy said in chat that they didn't get to play their customary warm-up game <laughs> against 100 next um, before they went on stage. Um, but it it just looked different. And I'm not sure I can point to a reason why. And maybe it was just playing a little sleepy or whatever. But um, I'm glad we woke up on time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that could have gone... Ver- like, the the resulting analysis and projections that come out of losing that series 3-0 are like they put us in way different plane of existence um especially with the respect that we're given from other people which you know 
at this point, it's probably just provably good for us to be viewed as the underdogs, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> one of the big themes, especially that came through with um, the listener questions and listener takes, a lot of people had a variation on this. We're just talking about like how much TL threw and so much of the, the post series tweets and Reddit was about the drafts, especially in games three and four out of team liquid. Yeah. How much are we buying this? And in what ways? Like, do you like, were they just instant draft losses from team liquid or what? I mean, I don't, that's not how I read it. You know, um, it, that feels very, again, it's like, well, why not just, it's so easy. Why not just do X, Y, or Z things? Why not just draft a better team? I mean, what well, game four specifically? Yeah, okay. They did the double marksman thing. It's not. It hasn't worked as well for them this split. But they also got Ari, which I think Bjergsen has been basically unbeatable on. Um. So it. You know. Yeah. They've. They. They did things in the same way that for games one and two we did things that didn't work as well. I don't know. It feels. It feels too simple to just say that a team with a losing draft. Or a team that loses with a draft that is not, you know, standard, it's all to blame on the draft. I think that is a little bit over overdone. Like if you look at our games one and two, I wouldn't say, well, we lost it in draft, right? I'd say right. we we had it's like we had a strategic played like doo-doo. We what? <laughs> I said we played like doo doo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we and and so it's easy to look back and say, What were they thinking with that draft? It's like, well, they thought they could win. You know, one, that's why they did it. What I think we found is these looks from TL, we were able to counter. So you got to give credit to the people who are playing against the draft. There, there are versions of this game where they beat us and people say this is a draft, you know, whoever at TL that's come up with this is a draft god. We need to, you know, quick build the Reddit shrine to them so that we can try to channel yeah. this energy into NA's world performance. This is back where like the caster power comes in, you know. Because, like, think about the game three Graves pick when the casters were like, oh, like, definitely this is going to be Aatrox, you know. uh, (laughs) He'll he'll just, Whippo will just play Aatrox again and and he'll dominate just like he did in game one. And then he doesn't pick Aatrox. And everyone's like, oh, that's the most troll thing in the world. You know, it's like, oh, he picks Aatrox, he wins. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, he did. He did destroy in the game one. So cool. But, like, I don't, I don't know that that changes everything. Um, and, and like the gold lead, the, I think like when you have a draft loss, a lot of the times the gold lead tells the story cause you either just lose just straight up lose or like the scaling is very obvious. So just like yeah. you have like a, yeah. a rainbow basically on the gold <laughs> lead. And it wasn't like that, you know, in game four, at least game three was, was pretty much a, a wire to wire. Um, for Team Liquid, I mean, we were we were very even with them through the first fifteen minutes, and then after that, it spiraled out of control. But Game Four is just like kind of just push and pull back and forth. I don't really know. the The one thing I will say, because I don't think like for instance, the Whippo Graves was necessarily like a troll pick that lost in the game. I do think the the Core JJ picks were a little weird. Yeah. So <clears throat> bringing out the Soraka obviously did not work though it looked in lane early it looked like it was going to just completely destroy us yeah 
Um, <clears throat> but after that, it just, it didn't matter. Like yeah. he was tossing out those ults during the fights and it was like, yeah, didn't notice it. Okay. Let me hit him <laughs> one or two more times, you know, like, right. like the ults did nothing. Yep. Um, and it just seemed like a not core JJ kind of pick. Yeah. So I get it. If you want to come with that, with that, angle. I, I truly thought that that pick was weird. The Brom pick. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you choose instead because Ezreal Brahm's always been pretty good. Um, <clears throat> Brahm has like, it, I, at least in this meta, it feels like what, it's only a disengaging ult. Yeah. But so does Volibear, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, 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 so the Brahm is like not as weird to me, but again, it doesn't feel much like a core JJ pick. I don't know. Those picks were a little abnormal to me, but I don't think this was just this like colossal throw by team liquid. Um, maybe you can spot them a game in a close thing, but it's like for the rest, for the rest of it, it felt for me, maybe cause I'm coming from the hundred thieves side, but for me after like game two, it just kind of feel like, okay, let's go play with our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and see what happens. Like yeah. I had, I wondered how much those game three through five drafts were actually like prepped and planned and how much of them were just like, no, we know we can do this. Let's pull it out here. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you guys feel like pulling out? Let's pull this out. Um, <clears throat> it had much more of that feel to me, but you know, I could be totally wrong. Maybe they prepped exactly that for the scenario. I don't yeah. know, but it just it, felt like let's play with our heart and go try and win. Yeah. And it does feel to me like if you think about what, what comps you, are the most comfortable with they're going to be comps that look a lot like this you know you've got like when was last time j4 wasn't a viable champ to play yeah. same with orn same with leblanc same with Ophelios, recon you know like these are all champions that they have they've probably got you know they're they're my guess is they're right in the middle of their most played competitive champs so unless you've forgotten how to how to set up around an orn ult which i don't think you forget uh you know or like okay when do you go on the cataclysm it's you know like oh now okay it's right. not that hard and i think i, I there's some conversation <clears throat> about that too of just like ease of execution that kind of thing chat rightfully calling out that brahm can be used to counter the orn ult he can block it you know he can i think he, you can use his ult to try to disrupt the rakan as he's coming in to try to charm your whole team up that kind of thing um so you know again it's like this is not tl just forgetting that Brahm is a stupid champion and then picking him like, Oh, is it, that didn't work. You know, they, they had an idea on how they could counter this uh, and it didn't work. And that's, yeah. that's kind of how it goes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I want to, I did want to, again, we don't usually read Twitch chat during the pod um, onto the stream, but I did think Apple Trina made a good point because, you know, we're talking about who threw the series. It's like, okay, well, if T TL played worse later in the series, what about the first two games from us? Is that not a throw? Yeah. It's only a throw because we weren't in the lead first, right? Right. Like right. it's only a throw from them. It's only it's like, not well, a throw. Well, we, we definitely spotted them two games <laughs> to begin with. So who threw, you know? Right. We just, we threw early and then caught it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things or I like it clearly the, the, the emotions of the series kind of threw things into just panic for everybody. <clears throat> but honestly, that's what you want in the playoffs. You want to know like who has the composure and the yeah. grit, you know, and we pulled that one out. So that's a, that's a good type of win to build on, especially like not in the very final 
series. Because mm-hmm. you can now go into the finals having confidence that you can stomp like we did against C9. Right. And if we get into a bind, we can come back. And so you have this like kind of comprehensive um, confidence for the team um, yeah. going into whoever we end up playing. So I think that's good. <clears throat> um, Abadal got in Twisted Fate. <sighs> As I mentioned earlier, I really like this pick because I love how he uses the ults. Mm-hmm. And you probably like we, him more now, is my guess. If I had to guess, let's not let's <laughs> not forget what he did uh, with the Summoner Spellbook Elder Steel. Was it Elder or Soul Steel? It was Elder. Yeah, that um, sounds right. Yeah, and then what do, what do we see in this game? Not one, but two back doors in game five. And it was just so poetic and amazing. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I loved watching it. Um, I can't believe it worked. It did to me as a viewer. It seemed kind of like, all right, he can get in there. So they're going to have to stay in base. Yeah. Um, But how good does it feel to like out macro team liquid? Right. I don't think that's one of the categories where people would have rated us higher than team liquid yeah. going into the series, but it's like, Hey, guess what? We out macroed them for the win in game five. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And, and we have some of the best comms ever. Yeah. That hundred thieves put on Twitter, like that day where they saw this happening, planned for it. Right. They, yeah. they were like theory crafting the rest of the game in the comms. Very, very clear and clean comms, by the way. It's like no one was popping off. Everybody was just like calm. Everybody could hear each other. There wasn't noise, you know? Yeah. And they just planned, calmly planned out the victory in a game (laughs) five against Team Liquid. This is just so good, man. Yeah. It was really good. I'm I'm glad that that moment was captured. Kind of going back to what you said about the the macro out-macroing them. I think even as I've, as I look back on that game, thought back about it a little bit more too, I think it was easy to assume that we had made the wrong call when we tried to push for the win, um, taking yeah. out the Nexus turrets. I mean, I guarantee you that they, they understood <clears throat> in the moment that if we can get the Nexus turrets down, it is going to make it so that any time, essentially, they leave the base, we can threaten to end the game. And yeah. they're going to want to leave the base at different points throughout the rest of this game. That will be important to them. <laughs> To be they're going to, to want to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not going to want to all stay in the base, you know? Um, so, I, you know, it, it, for me, it just made it even sweeter to go back and think, okay, this, this was all part of the plan. And I actually, I was describing this game to my father-in-law who doesn't watch League uh, because it was, <laughs> it was right after I'd finished watching it. And I said it was like a queen sacrifice, right? Like you, you concede an objective to win the game. You give them this favorable looking fight around I, was it a, it was soul right it was a solar elder at that yeah point. it was soul a soul mm-hmm. and then you just walk into their base and and take it down i mean that is like it's it's winning with macro there's not a lot of other ways to put that right it's like nothing else matters now because we've got the objective that actually ends the game um and they they set Call it up moments shoes minutes <laughs> we got before. their next shoes yeah so uh, I like that game. I like that ending. And it just <laughs> felt like it felt like there was no. Um, <clears throat> we put them in an unwinnable situation. You know, I don't know how they really could have prevented us from it at any point 
doing that, pulling that off. Uh, they would have to play it perfectly to prevent it from happening. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about the push instead of going to Baron or whatever it was. Yep. It's, it was kind of like, it's kind of like, do we want to try and win through being strong with Baron push and then winning fights? Right. Or do we want to win that way or another way? Yeah. I think that was the call. It was like, let's open up another door to victory. Um, maybe not <clears throat> getting the Baron as a sure thing, but maybe they thought that we could still win in a 5v5 fight, mm. unlike the analysts, <laughs> who again, just put that out there and shaped the entire conversation. It was like, <clears throat> oh, Hunter Thieves is not going to be able to win this, this fight, and I think they know that, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, didn't we just win two 5v5s like in a row, basically? <laughs> yeah. How sure are you? I mean, Bjerg like Flame Horizon Abadaga, so okay, he's strong, he's Bjergsen, whatever. Poke. How sure are we though that that's a guaranteed loss for us in the team fight? I'm not. I'm not sure. I fully like bought into that. And and you know, in the comms with them planning that victory, maybe they they felt it that our own players felt like okay, we're not sure how long we can kind of keep up these amazing fights. Yeah. But. I don't know. It's like if if we are consistently beating them in those fights, like I don't think it's just a given that we're going to lose, even with scaling. Um, yeah, what's I, I will what, say? Who else is scaling from our side? We've got a uh, like they've they've got the Corky basically and Zaya, and we've got basically Zeri. But I don't know. It just it was. I Incredible, was, and we uh, we have such good team fighting when we're when we're playing well. I don't yeah. think anyone team fights better in the LCS than us when we are playing at our best. I, I I'm think not, I, I'm not arguing that I think they were wrong. I'm just saying all we did is open up a second win condition, maybe more likely than the than the standard win condition for sure. But still, it was like I don't think that we made a choice one over the other in that moment, and then that was a bad call or whatever. Yeah. I, I do think that at the point in the game we were at, where you have Flame Horizon Bjerg, I mean, the 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 classic five v five, you know, stand and face your opponents, and everyone starts shooting at once. I think they win that fight because you have a package that will be dropped, you have poke that will be distributed before the fight starts from the Corky, and I think they had at least one other champ who was getting some good poke off. I'm not mistaken. I I want to say Hansama maybe was he on. Zaya, he had yeah. Zaya. So you know, he had feathers. He's throwing out and catching people unawares. Like there were a couple moments or a couple team fights where they got some pretty effective poke down. The the so I I do think ease of execution, right? If you just roll the dice on these fights at the end of the game, where you have everybody in the position that they want to be in, I think the package is too good for team fights. I think Bjergsen is too good in team fights, and the fact that we're probably starting off at least to some degree beaten up by the poke that they can dish out, which they're going to have a lot more poke than we are, given Zeri short range, TF, you know, he's got like, he, he's not poking, he's, he's got a, an RFC card that he can throw. Um, so I think it's harder for us to do that, especially as you get to kind of like full build time, uh, which is why I think it's brilliant that we did what we did. And, and probably makes it even more noteworthy that we did win those fights that you talked about because it took bits of ingenuity for us to even pull that off, right? Like, we had to outsmart them. Like, the, the one fight that is 
comes to mind first is the really good uh, destiny that Abadaga took to be in vision, but out of range, you know, within the Raptor pit. Yeah. Basically, he hit two yellow cards or gold cards on um, Bjergsen in one fight, continuing, right. you know, bookending either end of that perma, the perma lock that he was placed in. Yeah, he got absolutely locked down. He that had zero seconds for him. Uh, out yeah. of CC for that fight. So, you know, that kind of thing, it's hard earned. And if you're, <clears> if you're all dancing <throat> in the river around an elder dragon, it's just a lot harder to pull that off, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so. yeah that's fair. Um, but I don't know. I I just felt like very proud of that win. Um, I'm I'm glad that a pick that I've championed throughout the split for Abadaga was the main contributor to that situation. Made it possible. Uh, so vindication in that sense, especially to make up for how the Silas has not really gone the way that I pictured it would. <laughs> but when it comes to champions, again, I, now let's have that Orn conversation. Okay. During, I noticed, for instance, that I didn't have a take from Bamatide this week about how somebody needs to be on carry champs. Fair. So I want, <laughs> I want to put that out there. So we got that like pretty much every week until playoffs. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what Raz said on JLXP was very true because he he was saying it's like yeah, someday's not playing Orn because someday can only play Orn and he needs to be on that champ. He's playing Orn because it's OP. Yeah. And he can play it and he can play other things too. But if they're going to give him that champion, he's going to keep using it. You know, and that was kind of Raz's take. And that's, that's definitely where we are with this champion. Like, I don't, this is, this is definitely not the first season that Orn has been in this state, you know? Yeah. And oops, oops, Orn's back. It's very (laughs) strong again. And, and for a while we were kind of, the only ones who really knew it. Yeah. Um, but now the problem is everyone knows it. There is not a single soul who's going to, you know, not be aware of this. Um, so, so the first point that I just, you know, that's just quickly, right. Is somebody's not playing that because it's a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying it's because <laughs> it's a very great champion and yeah, right. is a, is an excellent way for us to win. So the other <laughs> point, though, is that I'm not sure he's going to get to play it again. Do like is Orn high enough that it will it will be banned out? I don't know. Maybe teams will bet that it is a crutch that we do need to have him on a champion like that and ban it out, or that they'll play it. Um, if we're on red side, we can, maybe they first pick Orn or something. I don't know how many first pick Orns there are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like I'm sitting here wondering yeah, yeah. if we're going to be able to repeat this. Right. If if getting him this champion is even going to be possible. Um, and that may be problematic for us. Let's not forget that through this whole series, uh, including the games we won, uh, I guess actually, no, I guess game four, we kind of just stomped all the way through. But for all the other games of the story of the, of the, of or game three, we stomped all the way through, right? Sorry, I'm getting a little hazy on it. There was one stop and two close victories for us. The point is, uh, we often had either even gold or gold deficit for much of these games. 
and we're playing from behind for much of these games, and we know Orn is one of the best ways to make up for mm-hmm. playing from behind. Bjergsen was outlaning Abadaga pretty thoroughly. Um, I, you know, is it going to be problematic if we don't get the Orn? Is the gold lead going to be too big for us to overcome? Are we going to be able to find a way to lane and get the gold? Does this fill you with fill fill you with fear? Excuse me. <laughs> um, I want to say no, and I and I don't. Maybe it's just because I'm an optimist. But let me unpack it a little bit. Um, so we talked about how Orn is not a crutch. Orn is very good. You know, can do a lot of different things. <laughs> can can get solo kills in lane, which she did a couple times, which was fun. I like that. Uh, you know, has incredibly tanky, tons of ability to evade ganks, uh, gives his opponents better items, can shop from lane. He got a lot of stuff going on. Um, someday is not. I have always said that someday is a good team fighter, and I don't think it's because he plays a specific champion that is a good team fighting champion. I think it's because he's good at it, right? So. I think even if you ban the Orn away from him, it's kind of like the, the Lee Sin conversation. Now, Closer's a good enough player. You can yeah. ban Lee Sin. You don't have to worry about Lee Sin, but it doesn't mean you, don't, you get to not worry about Closer. He's still good. And I think the same thing is true for, for Someday. And I think there are enough different tanky, team-fighting champions in the top lane that we're going to have other options. You know, um, like a Nar. Right, Nar is is effective at doing in team fights in a certain sense what Orn can do. Right, like he can five man Nar ult people, and that fight is over, and and we win it. So, like, I don't think you get to just say, "Well, ban the Orn," and then someday is no longer a concern for us. Not to mention, you know, even on the game where we we didn't look very good, he still had a really good Trindamir game. So, if we can figure out how to play that better. Um, that's still a win condition for us that isn't solved by banning Orn. Looking at first round bans by Team Liquid, um, game one we had, Le- uh, well, Lee Sin given as first ban through all these. So the other two, for the other games, Aphilios, Ari, when we're on blue side, they took away Ari every time. Yep. Uh, Aphilios was the other choice. Game two, um, when we're on red side, they ban away Zeri Jarvan. Or, excuse me, th- those are their pick line. Blah. They ban away Nautilus Rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, game three, they ban away Aphilios Ari again. Game four, Nautilus Rise. <laughs> game five, Ari and Jarvan. So they made a small adaptation there to not let closer play Jarvan, which didn't end up mattering. <laughs> so yeah. Ar- Ari seems to be a very high priority. Nautilus also. It's like, can you sacrifice one of those bands in the interest of, you know, taking away Nar or uh, taking away Orn? Yeah, right. It's like banning Aphelios from us. I mean, FBI is good on like most of what he plays. I don't know if banning Aphelios is like that effective. Especially with Zeri in, you know, like Zeri is a a pretty viable alternative. There's going to be like Zeri Jinx in every game, right? Yeah, yeah. Jinx, right. Jinx still in, Zaya. Like there are enough viable adcs that you don't have a clear solve there just it's the same kind of thing you know like if your hope is to 
if you're trying to break up this team fighting comp that we've found that works really well, I think the problem that you'll run into is all of our players are too good and have champion pools wide enough that you can't effectively stop us in the ban phase. Yeah. Right. And notice we didn't play Diana and Diana wasn't banned either. Yeah. I, you know, <clears throat> we could see closer pop off on that just as easily. Right. Right. He's I don't know. Before. So I'm not, I'm not sure. So I, I, you know, I got too, too deep into Orin, I guess, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just wondering because it was so important to us in these games and I'm just not, I do. I have a little bit of worry about that. Like when we're not on Orin, are we going to be able to, to keep up with the gold situation? Mm. Uh, we obviously couldn't really against team liquid. And then EG, you know, you're looking at Jojo Pune and Danny. Yeah. There's some tough lane opponents, right? So are you coming around on those guys? Well, I've always had Jojo Pune great in lane, not so much otherwise. So I, I have no change of opinion. For me. <laughs> He's uh, though yet. I do think Judge Pune is obviously getting better, which yeah, I mean you do when you play and get experience and you age. So <laughs> but um and the other thing is as Papa Smithy you know brought up um before playoffs started, it's like we were playing red side all the time and now we're bouncing back and forth. Yeah. So we do have to like prep more in that sense. Um but again I'm not sure it's going to make a difference because all the different combinations we're able to put together and draft. Yeah. So I'm just very interested to see what's going to happen in, in this last series, like what champs we're going to get to play. And maybe it's all for naught, and we're just going to end up playing the same picks. I, it, I'm with how you. much can you ban out? <laughs> it, it feels, I, I think Orn has reached Viego status from last year, right? Which is like, look, just ban it. You, you're just going to have to ban it. And maybe it's not the right strategic move, but yeah. I think, you know, because if you continue to lose to it, you know, it, the, the regret factor just starts to pile up. Well, what if we had just banned it? Yeah. Do you, and you know what the parallel here is the, the, to go even further and to segue into our next uh, discussion here. We know that what happened last year with the MVP was that we had someone who had a great regular season take that MVP and then completely get outplayed out, you know, like shown out by closer Um, and Viego was the signature pick that did that. And what do we have this year? (laughs) We have the presumable MVP in summit reduced to rubble (laughs) Buy hundred thieves. Yeah. And now it's like, all right, he is completely irrelevant. And what are we seeing in playoffs? Our guy, our counterpart to that popping off and someday on the orn, definite pop off. Now closer. Don't let me take away from him because he has had a very, very good playoff run as well. Yep. Um, I think we could forget those first two games of this series for everybody involved. Um, but someday also just showing in playoff form, maybe more deserving yeah, than the, the presumable MVP, <clears throat> which I guess we find out this week, right? We find out like just before finals. I don't know when the announcement is, but gotta be soon. But everyone seems to know, <laughs> right? That it's summit. So I was thinking, and I tweeted this, has there ever been a single player in LCS that's been more 
dismantled than Summit. Remember what the conversation was before we played them. It was like, Summit is the best. Yeah. And it's not close, right? Mm-hmm. And then we gave the blueprint to everybody. Yeah. It was like, hey, let's attack their strength and neutralize it. <laughs> yeah. And his KDA since that game oh, you know is it. <laughs> insanely bad. Well, I mean, we went over it on the podcast against us just again in those four games. Mm. And it was what? It was like two and 23 and <clears throat> five or something. Yeah, it's worse now uh, than it was then. <laughs> it, it is insane the way that, you know, it's just, he's just irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and so we're going to give this. It's, it has become the, the, like the primary the point exploit. of failure. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's like, it's like, well, this MVP is going to feel really weird when he gets it, you know? Yeah. Uh, who could have predicted that? I don't, so, so yeah, I'm not sure I've seen a collapse from a player like that in my time watching LCS chat. If you guys can think of anybody, that would be really interesting to hear. It's, but the answer it, is no for the years that we've been watching. There isn't yeah. anybody, but maybe before 2018, right? Like that's possible. Yeah. But, and, and, and it's not just summit because this extends to C9 as a whole. So I wanted to talk about this because of some of the conversation that's been going on. Um, about C9. In fact, not to, not to bring up JLXP again, but JLXP is my favorite League of Legends podcast, so that's why I often talk about it. And I want to say that too because I'm going to criticize a bit here, um, but I have nothing but respect for them and I love that podcast. But they gave basically like 90% of the airtime on JLXP to talking about C9, who is eliminated and not playing anymore. Yeah. They talked about 100 Thieves who is the team who secured grand finals for a grand total of like 60 seconds. And it felt so disrespectful to me. And I know, (laughs) I know the reason they're talking about C9 is because of how insane the collapse has been. Yeah. And how unpredictable that was. And like, it's very interesting to speculate what, you know, what they're going to do. How are they going to address this? By the way, we're getting a, side, a footnote from Sandwich. It says Summit's 7 and 34 versus 110 each. Um, wow. Wow, that's very bad. Oh. So, oh. so <laughs> that's really bad. That's, that is really bad. Oh. So, so, yes, that's interesting. But why not, in the moment, talk about the team that has proven to be the boogeyman for them? Because yeah. I got news for you. It's us. So I, I, <laughs> I pulled some of the narrative just to go over on the podcast. So I want, you know, here's, here's some things to think about. Okay. Uh, the question did, did they collapse? Was it that, you know, LS left and, you know, once he left, they just couldn't play the same way because it was designed by LS for LS. And that's that. When LS left, they got significantly better hmm. at League of Legends. Weird. Right? What's the, in fact, let me, let me pull this up on Leaguepedia. Because they, uh, sorry, one second. I want to pull up their match history. I think they were three and one. Or maybe two and two at the start. Let's see. Yeah, they're good. They were three and they were so they won three out of their first five games. I guess you have to take it weekend by weekend because 
because the weeks one and two were where they had LS. Yeah. They beat Golden Guardians. Doesn't really matter. They beat EG. Good win. They lost to Team Liquid, expected, and they beat Immortals. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then LS thing happened. Yep. They lost their immediate next game against CLG, and then they won against one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in a row. Hmm. Okay? Now. <laughs> That's a pretty good streak. Don't let me get ahead of myself. I am not saying that losing LS was a good thing for them. And I'm not saying that you instantly see the result because I think with these things, they tend to kind of crumble over time because you're playing in a different system. But it's like, they played better when he left. They really did. And, and everything was humming and no one had any concerns about Cloud9 except how quickly will they win. Yeah. Right? Best team. They're the best team in the LCS. They're the, yeah, that's right. Now, and then TSM pulled out that miracle win against them. Whatever. And then they rattled off some more wins. And then they played us. Mm. And we had had enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, let's see. They are, where do I want to start with this? They are in, in 2022. So in spring split, they are one in five game score against us, right? Because we three owed them. And we went one and one in the uh, regular season. Go back to the Abadaga Reaper era Mm -hmm. where you start at at 2021 summer. Yeah. Um, So that's like after MSI. Cloud9 is two and five against us that year. Wow. Go back even further to 2020. Uh, they play us in the second round robin in summer 2020. Now, here's a stat for you. Just like the, uh, the, the stat about Summit's KDA. Over their last 37 games leading up to playing us second round robin summer 2020, they are 35-2 and two wow. game score. That's a good record. Yeah. They won 35 out of 37 games. <laughs> <laughs> and what do we do? We are the only team to be like, hey, let's go aggressive yeah. and attack them the way they attack other people. We run Karma Olaf and obliterate them. In fact, one of my most memorable caster calls uh, for 100 Thieves was in this series from Pastry Time. I remember when Contracts gets the speed up from Karma as he's running at them, and Pastry Time goes, it's so stupid as he's killing. <laughs> Cloud nine. It's it's so stupid. (laughs) Okay. So they won 35 out of 37 games. Then we destroy them and they go two and five over the next seven games Hmm. or nine and 11 over their next 20. It's a different record than what they had before. They win a playoff series against uh, EG, but they lose to FlyQuest and TSM and they're out. We are just the boogeyman for them. And I, I, this kind of went undetected by us even. We have really screwed them up. <laughs> and we did it again this year because, again, we gave the blueprint of attacking Summit, camping him, focusing on that, and exploiting it. Yeah. And he mental boomed. Like, <laughs> it's, and it's clear. And EG, you watched them, the way that they beat Cloud9 was the exact same way. Yep. 
Yep. They were playing the Hunter Thieves technique against C9. They brought um, the Nocturne with a Yumi on board into, you know, just like, oh, they just hard camped him. It was, it was a sight to see. It was painful to watch in some ways. Yeah. So look at that. We are just the ultimate boogeyman for C9. So maybe when it comes to the podcast, JLXP, you can talk about the team that's doing that to people. Hmm. You talk about the collapse of C9, you should be talking about the strength of Hunter Thieves at the same time because the strength of Hunter Thieves is, seems to be leading to some of those uh, collapses or the kryptonite. by C9. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. I just wanted to make that point. I think that losing your, your coach and losing like the engine for your game plan and everything it's never a good thing it's never a good thing you don't want it but this is not a collapse because ls is gone it just doesn't seem to be possible it's a collapse because they had a strategic weakness that was yeah demonstrated by us and then replicated not, by those who followed us it's not complicated why are we discussing this like why why do we have to make this case it should be obvious yeah 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 i don't know i don't know there's not a great reason um and the the thing that for me i mean i I don't want to go back to the did you want to talk mvp i know we started off talking about mvp sure yeah yeah go for it okay here's my thoughts on the mvp thing like yeah i agree with i agree with what you said it feels pretty clear that we have we, we found the thing that you do and then you beat C9. And, <laughs> you know, congrats to those who also used it. And it's very easy to replicate. <laughs> Unfortunately for C9, we waited until kind of the most critical time in the season <laughs> to reveal that weakness. They didn't have time to correct it. You know, the rest is history. The MVP thing is, is, is a bummer for me. And here's why. Um, it's not because I think that one of our players should have actually gotten MVP. I think it's just, it's, it's the award itself, the regular season nature of it. I mean, it just feels like, look, due to no, this is not Summit's fault. He's going to get, he's no, going to have yeah. the most awkward award presentation of all time. And maybe production will even put on the screen when they're giving it to him, his records <laughs> since playing under thieves, you know, and it'll, it'll say like, he's got a point zero 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 four KDA and it will you know, congratulations to your 2022 um, spring MVP. He, he didn't ask for this, right? He didn't, I'm sure right now he would say, I probably don't deserve this award. So maybe, you know, can I decline? Do I have to take it? Kind of thing. It just feels like now that this has happened twice, should we at least consider the possibility of making this a season award rather than just a regular season no. award? Here's what you do. It's simpler yeah. than that. Okay. You give the award out at the end of the season. That's what I was saying. Then no one feels weird about it. Oh, oh. No, I'm sorry. At the end of this, at the end of the season. regular season. Yeah, Got yeah. It. Just give the award then. Yeah. Okay, because look, I'm cool with like, well, I guess they have, fi- they don't have playoffs MVP, right? They only have finals MVP. Is that? I think so. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to do that, then yeah, it's either you go all the way through playoffs up to the, finals which is a little weird or if you make it a regular season award give it at the end of the regular season nba has the same problem yeah. right they'll have the regular season and like award that's <laughs> given to the team that's been bounced already right. like in the first round or whatever yeah you know it's just it's just 
It just seems like a simple thing. No one would feel weird about this if they gave the award away at the end of, of the regular season and Summit got it and is like, well, yep. You know, he did get smashed in that, uh, in that last weekend. But other than that, yeah, he really yeah. popped off this year. And now we're all like, <laughs> again, he wasn't, he wasn't just, uh, just not effective. He was, actually was the weakness that was exploited. Well, now, he's a great player. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player. When, when you get camped, you get camped. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Well, and that's it, right? It's, it, takes, it takes an entire team to allow someone to get chain ganked in the way that he was without response or punishment, you know? Like, he was, he was being... It, it's almost like you didn't even need to drop any wards in the, in the EG side of the map because you knew where their jungler was at all times. He was just outside the lane, the top lane. Yeah. He was within ult distance of, of Summit at all times, you know? <laughs> the furthest away he could be was his blue buff. That was it. So don't worry about the bottom side of the map, you know, punish. But so it was, it was, it's a team collapse. It's not just that he's not good enough at avoiding losing yeah. in like a constant 3v1. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point, Cole. It, please give it to them at the end of the regular season. Because here's the thing. I always think about MVP as I think of it a bit literally, and we're not going to go back through the relitigation of what it actually, what yeah. the award means. But it's hard to make the argument that you possess the most valuable player in the league if you exit before, like if you're if you finish below third place. That means there are three other teams whose pieces have got them more value. They're still playing. So I, for me, that just feels weird to say. Yeah, most valuable player in the league. You know, got him a fourth place finish. Oh, cool. Okay, that's that's pretty valuable. Yeah. You know, what does that get you? <sighs> yep, different philosophies, man. It gets you a whole um, roster scramble, is what it gets you. <laughs> it you does. Know, it will be that it will does. be the outcome. So, goofy. Yeah, uh, honestly, moment. like you know, just as a final note on this, it's like if I was C nine, I'd just keep him because I think I I think he's still a really good player. You just learn to play when he's focused. Yeah, just yeah, you, you know, you have the more, talent elsewhere. Why not? There's more pieces around. Anyway. Him. So we, we now have committed the JLXP sin of giving C9 too much airtime, but yep. I just wanted to make that point. All right. We own C9 for now and it's nice because for a while they own the mess out of us. Yeah. Tables of turn. So talking about finals now, uh, coming up this weekend, prep is a weird thing, right? And again, <laughs> more JLXP for you. Um, they, they talked about how, you know, since teams are eliminated, there's basically no one to scrim. Yeah. In fact, Jat said that Santorin told him that when FlyQuest was the one seed, they didn't think they were going to be playing TSM in the final, and so they scrimmed TSM, and then it was like, oh, well, we, we taught them how to beat us <laughs> doing that, right? Um, so there's that. There's, like, the limited pool to play with. Thank goodness we have really good academy team and even really good amateur team. But uh, at the same time, you also have the difficulty of not knowing who your opponent is. Yep. So, usually, like in the FlyQuest example, there's a team that you think is a little more likely to make it and a team that's not, so maybe you wait your prep. Mm -hmm. uh, does it feel to you that it's like, very close on which one of these teams could go through. Uh, yeah. It's like, could be liquid, could be EG. It's basically a coin flip in my opinion. 
Yeah, honestly, yeah, it does. And not so just given, because their last series was a 3-2 already, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it it feels like EG's gotten better. Yeah. And it feels like TL's very strong. So given that we both think it's a, you know, relatively a coin flip, is it better that way for our prep that we don't have a, a favorite mm. to prep for? Could be. I mean, there's probably also a degree of this where we feel pretty prepped for TL, right? Having come off a, a series with them against them, you know, there are things that we we picked up in that series. I'm sure that we would take into the next series. So I feel like that is a benefit, and and you can now spend more time thinking about EG, knowing that you can use a lot of the same stuff you did in the last series against TL if needed. So. I would see that as, uh, yeah, they're both close. We could see either of them. But if we see TL, it's not like we have to, you know, scramble to find a, a team like them to help us prep. Just think back to yeah. play them. But I mean, just think about like, you know, what Papa's saying about the warm up game, like how important it is to stay sharp and stay fresh. Thankfully, it's only one week. Yeah. In between these two things. Because I, you know, I don't like the two week break, I like teams to be in rhythm. You know, and so while it's nice to, to be able to sit at home and know that you're through, mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, well, you're not going to be as sharp. So, yeah. and we have an extra rest that. day. Like we have, everybody's traveling this week. I think that's another thing. Is look, you talk about prep for a series. They're traveling to Houston. Uh, everybody is. You know, you, that's going to knock out a day. So it's short prep for the teams who are playing on Saturday. <laughs> and w- we did see, I mean, today, Monday's our off days for them, and we saw Closer was at, yeah. The, yeah. at the compound playing, <laughs> and it looked like maybe FBI was there too, because Carl Closer, he's going he's gonna to be ready. <laughs> yep. So, you know, that, that's a small advantage for us, for sure, but an advantage all the same. We get an extra day to kind of decompress, get situated, get ready for the, uh, the big, the big uh, day in the arena. Weird. Cool. Have a full arena. Right. Um... So I don't know what the prep's going to be like. Uh, Team Liquid and EG are both... I I think they're going to both mainly prep for each other. I don't think there's going to be much 100T-specific prep going on for those teams because obviously you have to survive the first round to get through, and it's been so close. Um, So we're potentially going to come into a team that's maybe a little tired and not prepped for us in either scenario, uh, which is favorable. But again, it's just like... I hope we can still show up sharp and ready to go. Um, I wish that we could hear exactly like what the scrim plans are and everything. I wish I could know that just to, you know, make a more informed uh, prediction about what's going to happen. But yeah, I don't know, man, the, the, the one thing, well, actually I'll save that for predictions. If let's, Let's do listener takes because we got a bunch. Yeah. And then we'll do uh, predictions for this weekend. Um, yeah. And some of this stuff we've already kind of hit. So as we go through, we may, we may speed through some of, some of the takes that uh, have to do with stuff we've already gone over. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of prep, Sen says, really hoping we prep for not repeating the mistakes from game one and two. Good to see the team regain confidence. And by the way, Sen, if you want to elaborate on those mistakes in the chat, please let me know because, again, I don't know what happened other than us playing like doo-doo. <laughs> um, good to see the team regain confidence and do better drafts. 
Also, I wonder how different game three and four would be if TL didn't troll draft. Told you. Uh, looks like we took advantage of a poor draft. Can't get complacent. So, yeah, uh, may, I don't think I don't feel so strongly about the troll draft. Yeah. Um, but you could uh, you could turn around and ask the same question about us not trolling games one and two. So I think it evens out, and I'm happy that we big brained him. Mm-hmm. Uh, JC101 has a take. Big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Fuego take. We face EG. I think Picante take was the last week take. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So now we're, we're in we're Fuego up. take. We face EG in finals as our reverse sweep has tilted Santorin into next year. And actually, he tweeted me um, that, that screenshot that Mark Z took showing Santorin out in the, you know, like the little like picnic area, yeah. the like cafeteria, <laughs> yeah. outdoor cafeteria area where the teams talk and they had that picture of Santorin like, yeah, you know, after game four or whatever. I thought it was after game two. Oh, was it after game two? I, I didn't know what, yeah. yeah. But, uh, either way, he's using that as evidence. Did we tilt Santorin into next year, Jordan? <laughs> it's, he's taking summer off. There's not even a, there's no coming back from this. I don't know. I don't feel like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like Santorin was like no, the reason. I, I was just saying, do we take, you know, see him next year? Um, no, I, I think, uh, look, I think if TL loses this next series against EG, it's not going to be because of a similar thing against the, like the C9 effect. I think that EG is just good enough to beat them. So I think it's entirely yeah. possible that we won't see them, but it would be, you know, kudos to, to EG for making it to finals if that's what does play out. Yeah. Uh, Knox from Flight Check says, something I really liked seeing was the whole squad coming onto stage four to five minutes after Team Liquid was already in their seats going into game three. Taking the time for yourself to figure out the situation puts the power into your hands in more than one way. Now, I missed this because I was watching VODs, and so I was just stepping through the games or whatever. I didn't know that we had done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the etiquette is mm-hmm. either for, for Riot. And, and Yeah, did we, did we miss <laughs> it? Were we, was that technically not good of us to do? But at the same time, yeah. I think I think we have the best team staff in the LCS. Yep. I think we have adults in the room who can calmly talk through what's happening. And to match that ability, they also have big brains. And then we have very passionate leadership, especially from closer, right? As like the heart of the team. Yep. And I and and you combine that with a very even veteran presence from someday like yeah i totally agree with this yeah. like i feel like i mean that's why game one and two was so weird that we didn't seem like kind of ready or whatever but i i have confidence in our playoff leadership and demeanor yeah you know i, I feel like we ramp up like crazy right. and uh <clears throat> we we deserve credit for that i mean let's not forget this is the same team that barely barely beat dead fm and then came back to pull off a signature win later in that same tournament right so they've shown that they've got mental resilience uh the coaching staff clearly is provides a ton of that i think it's actually worth pointing out too like there there's a lot of conversation about mental and how teams are doing and are we resilient and all this stuff and I think a lot of times when you see, like, we used to have Master Roshi and he would do, like, th- that would be a very visible 
contribution mm-hmm. that he made. Um, and I think that oftentimes coaches don't get that same level of appreciation because it's not their sole focus, right? Like people look at the coaches for draft and what's your strategy, but to do a mental reset like this is like, they have to get credit for that too. So I, yeah. I want to make sure we don't skip that just cause they don't have like a, you know, whatever you want to, what, whatever title you want to put on that, the person who does specifically that it's pretty clear that somebody within the staff is, is contributing that a ton. Yeah. And I like, I literally don't know if it's possible to upgrade that staff. Like yeah, you'd have a really hard time convincing me that you can upgrade that staff. I love the staff that we have in place and um, just at all levels of the program. So yeah. um, Chandler Grote wrote, I love what Raz said about someday playing Orn again, not out of necessity for the team, but as an option, his trend was one of the best parts of that game too. And that versatility is what's going to make us back to back champs. So a championship Ooh. prediction for Chandler, Chandler Grove. We obviously agree with the content of that. Here's what I was alluding to with the Orn thing and with <laughs> what happens if, and all this stuff, our friend Glenn E. Taylor took it to another level. And I'm almost afraid to like publicize this. Okay. He said, what do you think is prepared if someday gets the summit treatment? E.g. he's the most stable part of the map and has been defaulting to weak side and trend. Let's first round ban orange trend and scion slash Shen slash GP. So what happens if someday gets targeted the way summit has been? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Good answer. I don't think, I think so. So here's what I'll say. We have seen someday be the carry threat for this team in the past because he's had to. We have also seen someday play every other variation of top lane role that you can play in a League of Legends team for this team, for 100 Thieves. So I think part of the reason that Summit has been exploitable is because they have continued to double and triple down on him being the carry threat and playing champions that don't have a high ability to endure focused attention. I mean, some of Sunday's most memorable plays of all time are him turning under turret yeah. pressure into his advantage. So you, you can try that if you're an enemy team, but you have to be aware of the fact that. So part of the reason that, that Summit, his KDA is turned upside down is because he, his forward presence if that's what the stat's called. Um, I don't think it's gone down much since he started this snowball into negative KDA territory. He's still playing up. He's still pushing lanes. Someday we'll happily farm under turret and allow you to just march to your death in the top lane. Um, whether he can kill you or the turret can kill you, it's just not the same. Um, so I have no concerns about that kind of a, a attack on Someday as a strategy. I think like, I mean, I like what you're saying. Um, I think this isn't really a draft question because I just don't think you can do anything there. And if you try to, then we're going to definitely punish you, especially in jungle. So, um, but the one thing I do worry about is what if they TSM him, you know, and you're sending three or four people up there a lot. That's when I'm a little more nervous about it. If he gets just perma camped, I don't know because you can you he can he what he is famous for like you're saying is under turret like one v two and he leaves with like two kills and maybe a death 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I think as far as that kind of strategy goes, he's probably like the single best LCS top laner to deal with that sort of pressure. So that's good. But still, man, if you die a lot, you die a it, lot. I got it. I, okay. Plates. Solo turret gold. Cross map objectives. Our bot lane is good enough to help you lose the game if you're sending four and five people to the top lane. It's, we're, we're not going to let them get the whole what map. If it's, what if it's three, though? Because remember, either team we play, they have a very good bot lane. Yeah. And a very good laning mid laner, too. I think if, you start, if, if they start sending three up, and we'll have to just see how this plays out, if they start sending three, if they, if they get a push and roam mid plus jungler, I think they try that once. And then I think if they try it again, we just send a, you know, we make sure that Closer is ready to be there. And we've seen Closer do that, right? He has, he's had really good mirroring of gank attempts, you know, like pathing correctly so that he can be around on the right timer. Like I, we've, we've shown that pretty effectively. Um, so I'm not super worried. Well, and if, if you're that's doing how they you're beat doing us, good work calming me down, but <laughs> I got to admit I'm us, still a little nervous. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this next one I love this take, and I kind of I kind of tossed out some of it already. But Gilda Nova says Viego is a trap pick for hundred thieves. Closer needs to be only on hard engaged champs and allow the other players to follow up. Wow. I think, as I mentioned, I think Viego is falling back in priority for him, and I think it's a little more effective at the moment for him to, yeah, be setting up other players with either displacement of Lee Sin Kick or the Jarvan Cataclysm or whatever Wombo Combo set up in that fashion. Mm -hmm. Diana would be, you know, virtually the same thing. I kind of, yeah, I mean, he... Viego closer Viego last year was the thing, right? But I kind of yeah, I'm putting it down a few spots. I think in priority for him as as to what I would like to see him play. Maybe, maybe he'll uh, he'll bust it out in grand finals just like he did against Team Liquid last year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, I will certainly agree. The pick has seemed far less snowbally. Like, think back last playoffs how many times and this is basically it was it we probably could have made a top 10 of just these plays but it's the the closer viego triple kill right like that was it was almost a guarantee that at some point in the game he would walk away with a triple kill and he would get one reset and then he would get two other people just walking to their doom as he you know he just jumped around the the fight and took him out so it feels a lot less able to do that. I don't know if it's just that they've balanced the champ in, in ways. Yeah. That his resets are possible. Don't heal you 50% like they used to yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> so, and I, you know, I don't, I don't follow passion as close enough to say if or when that's happened that they've, they've significantly changed it, but it, it certainly feels less, uh, inevitable that he's going to leave the game with at least one triple kill. Yeah. Um, tatted Sparrow, the quick one from tatted Sparrow who says, Someday should change his name to April 16th because that's when he became the best top laner in NA. <laughs> oh, that's a good take. I really like that. Take. Though I, though I, I do think the original goal was best in the world, right? I think so. so uh, but I love that. 
Nice one from Taddy's Barrow. Nick Moore asks a very cool question. What's your, and he says completely sub- speculative, take on how we will be affected by Houston? Help, hinder, or no effect? And how do you think that compares to TL and EG? Now, I'm assuming he's referring to the fans, having loud fans and a large number of them. Yeah. So how are we affected by that? Do you want to start or do you want me to? <clears throat> you go first. Okay, so size of fan base. We're definitely way bigger than EG. And I think we're bigger than Team Liquid for LCS. Um, you really do? I, I, think, I think so. Because like a lot of the TL fandom seem to be tied to like players. And Bjergsen's there, so that's like pretty big. I guess Bwipo and Core have big fan bases too. But I don't know. I think like we have a very <clears throat> powerful fan base. So even if, it, say, Team Liquid has more fans there than us, I don't know. But... The thing is, we have we have very like uh, passionate, emotional players on the team, and just like imagine closer in a stadium. Mm, yeah, this dude is <laughs> like the the only concern I have is if he gets like overloaded with energy, <laughs> like he's got so, he goes so insane that his brain bursts or something. Because he, I, I just feel like he's gonna, he's got to be the single most like hot blooded player for yeah. this sort of thing. Right. I, I think crowd getting closer going is going to be incredible, and I think he's going to thrive off of that. I think FBI will thrive off of that too. I think someday plays good all the time, and <laughs> he's. I, I don't think he's very like into that aspect of it. Um, I don't know about Abadaga. Mm-hmm. His post game interviews make me think that yeah, he might he might yeah. thrive off of the fans, uh, but I'm not quite sure on that. Now, when it comes to the other teams, TL and EG, I think EG has some nerve potential because of the the youth, yeah. yep. the youths on yeah. that team. Um, and and who knows? Like it could go really well for them, or it could be nerve wracking to be in that new situation. Um, so I think they're kind of volatile on that. And Team Liquid, I think, is the kind of team that will play the same. Right. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll thrive off of it. I Veterans. feel like we are the team that will draw on that energy more than anyone else. Yep, that feels right. Um, I I too have a question mark on Abadaga, and I actually just I'm not sure about this, right? But how many of these players? I know obviously who he has. Someday has closer Abadaga FBI. Like, how much experience do they have in front of an audience? You know. Big ones, I don't think they really do have it. Yeah, because of COVID, right? Just like the the bulk of their career where they'd be in these really high stakes, high pressure matches in front of a, a full arena and not just like an LCS crowd. Uh, that's going to be different. So, yeah. And, you know, I think with Abadaga, if he has a couple of rough games, I think those nerves get amplified. If you, if you make a play that is uh, doo-doo, and then you can hear the crowd roaring for the guy who's opposite you, right? Like it gets that much harder, I think, to shake that mental place that you can get into, or where you know you're down in a game. So that that will be interesting to see. But I agree with you. I think we have the right energy in this squad to potentially mm-hmm. really feed off that. Now, and this may be ignorance on my part, so I just want to throw that out there because people are bringing up TCL and like Abadaga with Shalka. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure they 
I mean, they ha- obviously have like a lot of like fans from those, but I don't know how, how big the audiences were in person and how big the venues were that they're right, playing in. Right. I am not sure about that. And the world's experience, there was no fans, you know what I mean? So I, I don't think it's really the same. Knox is saying TCL had like a massive stadium, so that's good. Well, that only that like plays it. into what we're saying. So yeah, um, good. But yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, NRG is a big arena. It's is it? big. It's is a it, big stadium. It's not yeah. full, right? They're not doing full wraparound. No, I, I no. There's, yeah. it's almost certainly not. Yeah, but uh, they're gonna have a lot of people there. So, I don't know. I, I think the, the crux of the thing is, we are going to benefit of it. I, I believe. Yep. So, um, Carl Skio one asks, how many finals slash championships do you think you need to to be achieved? So do you think you need to have, I guess, to truly be considered a top org? Still seems like so many, quote, experts don't give this team the respect it deserves. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that when, it's, when we're talking about our team in particular, people look at the players more than the org. And I think the reason why they've picked other teams above us is because of, like, the, the nameplates. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, if you listen to the way they talk about these matchups before they're happening, they seem to dwell on like the amount of talent, like those imports that they had and all that stuff. It's where it's like some of these other teams have higher pedigree players than ours. Yeah. So I think it's more that than like the org level respect. I will say like, obviously we're respected as an org because we were a new team that got the job done and we've been heralded for that. And we, we obviously have like a very huge following and whatever. Um, but at the same time, I think Karlski's point is still kind of real. Um, I think it's only recently that people started to consider us as like, yeah, you kind of always have to account for 100 Thieves. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure there's really a number because, I mean, we, we have almost gotten to that perennial spot with just one, two finals appearances and one title, right? Yep. I think if we win... It's almost like we have to do better at worlds to improve our standing. It's almost like if we get out of groups at worlds, then people are going to like ratchet us up even more. But I, I don't feel super disrespected, um, on an org level. I think it's usually like people are taking their players over our players though. I think team liquid does have like a T, uh, an org halo around them for people. I think like the legend of how team liquid plays sometimes elevates their them in like the, the analyst picks and stuff. Yeah. I'll give a slightly different answer, which is, I think that, um, so take TSM, right? Horrible performance. Didn't even make playoffs. Worst year ever. People will still believe in them soon. You know, they will bounce back really quickly where people are going to, place them highly in power rankings. They're going to assume that they're going to be back in playoffs. They're going to be competing for world spots and it won't be long, right? They're not, it's not going to be, um, now if they continue to play as poorly as they have, sure. Uh, they'll, that'll take more time for them to come back from, but assuming that they are going to make moves and, you know, do things, they're not just going to set up the same roster to get eighth place again or whatever. People will be back on that bandwagon. I think it has to do with how much you're spending. And you look at orgs like TL, like C9, like TSM, they are bringing in players like Bwipo. They're bringing in really big names of, of, that people associate with world-class talent. 
we don't have that, right? We don't have the perks signing. We don't have the Bwipo signing, the, the core JJ. Some days too far in the past Some for days, to think of him that exactly. way. Exactly. So none of those things make our team less good, obviously, because we won a title with the same roster that we are now back in grand finals with. I think that people just look at this and say, well, these orgs are going to splash the cash. So even if their or their their current roster is not great, they're I have confidence that they're going to find a way to become and and remain relevant. So TSM had a bad split, okay. They're going to blow up their roster, they're going to sign huge names whenever they get a chance to, and they're going to be back in the conversation. Because TSM, that's what TSM does. They've got crypto cash, you know, they're going to they're going to do whatever, they're going to spend whatever it takes. T- uh, Reggie's going to sell his house, you know, whatever ha- needs to happen, they're going to be back. The coach might pocket a few. Yeah, he'll, you know, he'll take <laughs> he'll take his uh his realtor fees, oh, you know. Oh, that was it's... ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> so, I shouldn't have said that. All of that to say, um I don't know. I think it's less about how many finals we make. I think it's for the fandom to assume that we're going to be relevant forever. I think you have to spend irresponsibly. And I don't know that we're going to do that. I honestly don't. <laughs> so you have to spend irresponsibly. It's kind of true. Yeah. yeah. But but we are willing to spend responsibly. We have we have yeah. been historically yeah. willing to do we're, that. We, so we, we definitely pay moves. for the talent. Yeah. But yeah. the question that I have is, you know, at some point this roster won't be the best in the LCS. Who knows when, right? But at some point we won't be. And I think if we if we make what feels like a responsible decision in who we bring in to regain our best in LCS status. I think we should be prepared for people to, to say hoodie org back to it. Look who they signed. They think this is going to put them back in the number one spot. Forget about it. We're just going to go right back to that place. Yeah. I, so I don't know. I think like, I think what happens is, you have the teams like, you know, the the perennials, definitely C9 and TSM, right? And then TL, TL got there by with the big, you know, checkbook and the like where they win like four in a row, four yeah. NA titles in a row or something. So they they got there and they have that. It almost feels like you you can't just match, but you have to outdo to be considered in that tier. It's like you have to outdo those teams in some respect just to be seen on as the same level as them, which is wrong. Yeah. But I think that's the way it is. Cause like, look at like how, when's the, when's the last time outside of hundred talk that you heard anybody mention the fact that hundred these beat EDG in a game that mattered to EDG in the year they won the, the world championship. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard that mentioned outside of our podcast since it's happened, you know? And it's like, that was a big deal. That was a big win. You know, we went three and three, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean? we're, we're very close to making it out. It's only, we, we definitely have to do something. We have to make a splash at an international level or outdo those teams in some way, I think to, to fully get that respect. So, but I don't, I don't think we're, we're super disrespected. I don't, Mm-mm. but, and, and definitely not at the org level. Um, and which is nice by the way, cause we used to get memed a lot harder than we do now. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I think the last time I heard the meme was, I can't remember what it was. My apologies, but it was somebody in the, in the kind of the, the professional tier talking about how we are. Maybe it was on cast broadcast. Um, 
where the hoodie or maybe it's freak. It's coming. Freak back said that. Yeah, where the yeah. hoodie org and you know, and that's a much right. more uh, respectful way to talk about it. He was saying it, you know, in the way that we do, which is yes, we sell apparel, people like it, it helps to you know fund our esports business. Like you know, this is what a this is what a successful organization looks like. So take notes. By the way, if anyone from under these is listening please release some hoodie org hoodies like the one that nade <laughs> shot had in the in the little nas x video just release it i will spend so much money um <clears throat> okay couple more we're going long tonight but that's that's all good yep oh my josh five said if you had to pick one would you say the series was more of a 100t great comeback or a tl collapse i lean more towards tl collapse due to that last team fight where they group with an open nexus and an enemy tf but side note, hope to see more Lucian Nami comps next series. I think we've kind of weighed in on this, that it was kind of equal throws. So the throws kind of cancel out and we outbrained them yeah. in the end. That's my, my take on it. I mean, like in like for sure, they made a massive mistake in that situation. And had they not made that mistake at that time, they would have won in game five. We also made some massive mistakes in game one and two who he just like walked up and said, please kill me. And then FBI did later, you know, there's, there's stuff like that where you, you can't just go back and yeah. sift that out really. Uh, both teams threw at different times, but we were the one who caught. And just to, I already made this point, but we put them in a position in game five where, you know, there was essentially no, great play for them to make they either continue to seed objectives by having one player float somewhere between base and objective and then you know people just say well why didn't you challenge objectives or they challenge objectives full strength 5v5 and trust that they came back to base so you know i get it they didn't play it as well as they could have but we put them in a really tough spot is my point um yeah and that's not a throw that's just us playing the game well so i i would lean towards i think I think we just made it hard for them to win. And then they didn't. Yep. Uh, one final take. Ethan King asks, has Abadaga once again become the difference maker for the team, which is to say whether we win or lose is down to his play. Hmm. It certainly statistically looks like that's a huge factor. Um, we've talked about the play of closer, especially on the Viego. Um, it was pointed out by Twitch chat and we agree that, um, it's hard to be thriving as a jungler if your mid lane is collapsing. <laughs> and Abadaga certainly has had collapse moments. Um, even in the playoffs, you know, I've, it was it game one that was really bad from him. Game one or two. Yeah, 05 and 1 Silas in game one. Uh, and then in game, which was 20, again, 22 something. That's how long it gave. <laughs> and then 1 7 and 5 on the Vex. So he had a couple of rough goes of it. Um, I'm not sure I think that it's a cause thing, mm. oh, but it is certainly a factor. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer this. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to say. I think, um, you know, specifically the Vex, like even the Vex game that we all remember that we thought went really well, it wasn't a dominant game. Like, I like the Vex for him. I'm just going to put I'm myself I'm not saying I don't there. like it. I just think it's not like he, the crazy games he has tend to be more control mages, you know? Um, like the the games where he is a a dominant carry threat from start to finish. Our Victor, our Azir, our Oriana in this series 
Um, the Vex game was decided by him because he found the exact perfect, you know, alt over a wall that won us the team fight at the end of the game kind of thing. So I'm just not convinced yet that that champ is one. Now, the question is, is he our win condition, basically? Like, or is he what decides it for us? Um, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I wish I had a better answer. I, I don't. I don't know if it's because there there are still games where it just feels like we're losing everywhere on the map, you know. Yeah, and it's hard for me to put that on him. Where it's like, bot lane is inting, you know. <laughs> it's so I don't know. I I can't say it's him necessarily, but certainly there are games where he is less effective. By the way, I didn't realize this until now. Victor was not played at all in this series, and it was only banned once. Hmm. And they didn't nerf it, right? Like. Victor looked extremely strong. It looked yeah. like the mid lane pick mm-hmm. for the first week of playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And it was there. It was there for the taking. I wouldn't be shocked. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Abadaga plays a good Victor, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a hard, hard thing to, hard thing to answer. Obviously you're going to lose with bad mid lane play. Mm-hmm. Um, You could say I about jungle too, you know. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah, I just don't know. Actually, so that's a we're going to talk about that. I think after these playoffs are done, we have when we need something to talk about. I want to talk about like has jungler become the position over mid lane um, for we LCS? Because you know, you know, I always was like we have to have yeah. a mid laner, and then everything <laughs> else can fall into place. Might be jungler now, but anyway, um, yeah, I wish I could give a better take on Abadaga like that, but it 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 does seem like symptomatic more than a causal relationship but we know again some of these control mages especially victor he looks great and on mobile champs he also tends to do pretty well yeah we'll see we'll just have to see so that brings us to jordan prediction time and we have to predict two things oh well three really we have to predict the result and the game score but we also have to predict who we're playing against or maybe we can modify our predictions based on who we play against. So three Would you like to start? <laughs> uh, sure. So should I do the TLEG series first? Is that, we don't typically sure. predict. I'll just predict. I won't give you games. I'll just do winner. Um, I think TL wins. I, I do think TL wins. And then I think in the rematch, I think we, I think we 3-1 TL. We 3 0 him wow. last time. I think we 3 1 him this time. Gentleman sweep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, if EG advances, what do you think? If EG advances, um, that's, I mean, EG can be a team when they are on. Uh, I still pick us to win. If it's EG, I'll say 3 2. I'll say 3 2. Okay. For me, I think. How, how synced up are we? We've been pretty consistent here for the last playoff. I know, but I've gone back and forth on this all day about who I'm specifically right now. I'm thinking of who I predict to advance to the grand final to play us. Yep. I think it's going to be team liquid. Okay. I think we're going to get a rematch. Mm-hmm. I'll say if EG was to make it to play us, I think it's a three one for us. Okay. Um, they're always going to have a thrilling game. 
or two and we're still going to win it. And then they'll probably take one off of us. So I, I was, I would say three, one for us if EG makes it, but I don't think EJ EG is going to go through. Mm-hmm. So I think it's team liquid who advances and Jordan. Unfortunately, I do not think that we are going to sweep him, but we are going to win three, one. <laughs> yes i'm feeling a 3-1 back to back there's no way we come out that flat against them like we did in this past series yeah so you think 3-2 us i think 3-1 us i said 3-1 i think we repeat i said 3-2 i'm cute we picked the same same stat oh same score all right look at us look at us i know we didn't coordinate uh i'm going to just queue up back to back by drake yeah in advance of the next podcast because i (laughs) think that's what we're doing man <laughs> i think that's what we're doing i sure i sure hope so should we play as an outro is that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so disrespectful um i also predict jordan mm-hmm. that regardless of the result i love this freaking team and yeah. i will continue to love this freaking team and i don't want any roster changes i don't want any changes no matter how if we get smacked so bad that it's embarrassing. I still don't care. And yep. I just, I love this group of guys. Agreed. What a team. I really do. Ooh, well, it's going to be really fun doing the pod next week when we're champions yet again. and going know. to MSI. It's, it's going to be crazy. MSI. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's going to be nuts. Um, oh man, man, I'm jittery just thinking about it. And do you know what? There is, there is a very high chance that I won't get to watch these. Oh, and no. I will actually be on the road. So I'll have to figure out something or like listen to it maybe, or, or put your phone in <sighs> a, a lockbox and yeah, you know, do whatever you can have, have a family. I member don't think I can do up. that. I think I have to know live. I don't think I can vibe squad, squad it. whether we won the whole thing. Like I just have to, yeah, <laughs> but, um, and we're getting asked in the chat if we're going to Houston, it does not appear that we are going to Houston. I'm not going to totally rule it out for me because I could make like a last minute audible and just go. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that so, would be hashtag dad in Houston. I don't think I could pull the, uh, the last minute audible. Yeah, yeah. If that were to be the, the route. Yeah. But. So, and that's really sad. Um, it would be very cool to be there, but um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. And we, we opted out of that biggest fan contest for under thieves yeah. because it's obvious <laughs> who that is. And we don't want to put them in that position. I don't think that's what they're after here. So we want to give the rest of the fan base a chance to really enjoy what we have enjoyed in the past. We've been to see the team live. We've been to the compound. It's yeah. time to share the love. Somebody's going to get to go. It's going to be great. Yeah. But uh, we'll just put an asterisk next to the biggest fan yep. for whoever it is. Uh, anyway, so for those who are going, because it, it looks like we've got a few people who are going, I hope you guys have a ton of fun. And I yeah. would love to see, you know, uh, pictures and video and stuff from that. So throw them up on uh, the timeline and we can retweet some stuff and yeah, and uh, enjoy this by proxy yeah so yep. uh oh and jc thank you for bringing up a shout out to the academy squad so i did get to watch uh the academy boys cooking this week mm-hmm. this past week and uh making it all the way to the proving grounds final for the second time in a row and playing team liquid tightly and uh it's it's too bad 
the result went the way it did, but I'm still proud of the run. Very proud of the run. Proud of the boys. And, um, they said, was it on the dive? They, they talked about organizational supremacy for TL and hunter thieves. I think so. And that makes me really, really happy because yeah, yeah, I, uh, again, I think we're in such a good place with like the future, um, with these teams. Agreed. Yep. I think, uh, the players got a bright future, golden glue, bright future. That dude's going to continue to get opportunities. You love to see it. Yeah. And, uh, I'm very glad for him. Like I didn't kind of be honest. Like I didn't know how that hire would work. Mm -hmm. Um, when it was made, it's kind of like, huh? Okay. (laughs) You know, and that's fine. I don't have anything, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. I I like him. It's not a transition Um, everyone can make. Yeah. I just didn't, I just didn't know what to expect. And apparently what we should have expected was great continued, uh, excellence. And so I'm, I'm really proud of those guys. Uh, and special, so of, of all the people, cause like, you know, we have very good players. I have to eat crow a bit because the last time we talked about her thieves Academy on stream, which I think Jordan, maybe you weren't here about this, but I, uh, I said, Jimmy in was kind of like, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he's, he's sometimes good, but he has a little trouble being consistent. And that dude went off during the run. Yeah. Um, so my hat's off to him and I have to kind of swallow my words there. And I also want to shout out Gamsu because that dude also, yeah. it just appears that he gets better and better <laughs> and he kind of feels like a mini someday, right? Like he yeah. feels like he, it's the same kind of relationship to the team where he's like a more veteran person, even though not, you know, in league of legends terms so much, mm-hmm. but just as like a professional esports athlete. And, uh, yeah, he's he's been solid. He's playing the weak side well, and like I don't know, it just feels very someday like um, yeah. to see Gamsu up there, and and he has definitely exceeded my expectations as well. So, shout out to the academy boys. Shout out, and to I the, hope uh, the casters as well. The, like the whole academy production team, the proving grounds team, faces, yeah. proving grounds team. It's it's awesome to see them in the LCS arena and the the studio. So, it's really cool what they're doing, proving grounds. Not just because we're in it <laughs> as much as we are, um, yeah. but it's, it's good to see. Good to see. And I know that that's a, that's a huge moment for a lot of the, the talent. So hats off to those guys. Good to see them. Yeah. All righty. So that's going to do it for this extended edition of 100 Talk. We'll see you next week when we're champs. Everybody, as always, we love you and we miss you already. Take care. All I ever asked is one